Hey guys, welcome to Wandercast, where you get lost to find yourself, and today we have Jake Sanzing. He is a army veteran who eventually became homeless after the military and traveled 10,000 miles across America. Hey Jake, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, how are you? Doing pretty good, man. So, um, when you traveled across America, you know, before that whole thing, so... What made you want to join the military to begin with? Have you always been an outdoorsman, or has that been attached to your childhood at all? Or uh, no, I didn't grow up in a military family or anything like that. Um, my grandfather, my my grandfather was in the army infantry, um, and that's what I ended up doing. But uh, it wasn't because I was following some legacy or something like that. It was just. Uh, just a good job opportunity and it was going to pay for college and all that. So that's pretty much why I did it. Don't really know why I chose infantry, but <laughs> I, I kind of, kind of regret that one, but I was about to say, how just, was that? That must've been, you better, you better seen some crazy stuff. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was shitty. I was a, a 240 gunner the whole time I was in. So oh, wow. Now my, yeah. So I got bad knees from it and a bad shoulder. About to say, but, uh, it's, it was uh, just uh, one of those things in life that I don't really regret doing. It was uh, an experience, you know. And now that I'm older, I'm looking back at it. And although I have some bad memories from it, it's kind of, I, I feel like it's uh, just a good thing that I was able to go through it, go through it, you know, and just experience that side of what the real world is actually like, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Uh, do you care to share some of those experiences, or is that too, you know, too sensitive of a topic for uh, to share? Uh, I don't think it's uh, necessary to to go into into that. Okay, no worries. <laughs> but, it was, uh, but yeah, I was a two forty gunner for four years with uh, with five two out of Fort Lewis, Washington. And we did two tours, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And now every time I go into a store or something, and I see recruiters have their uh, their little cards up, I do my part and I throw them away. <laughs> I hear. I don't want. I don't want. You know, just trying to do my part to to slow that shit down. Because even though mm. I I I'm thankful for, sort of thankful for my experience with it, I wouldn't recommend it for other people. Oh, okay, gotcha. Why? Why would you not recommend it? <clears throat> I just uh, I've had PTSD, PTSD symptoms ever since then, mm. and that's one of the reasons why I started traveling all over the country was because, um, just the whole forced ruck march kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found some uh, just some peace in doing that. No, I hear you. I feel like getting out there and traveling is. Um is really healthy. So uh, you said after the military, you became homeless. How did, how did that whole thing happen? Just, was it just straight away or was it, did, there, was there like a process where, you it's, know, it was a very fast process actually. Mm. Um, I used up all of my money that I was saving from the military to get a, uh, audio recording, uh, mixing mastering studio. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was actually, I was living in the studio. I had my own room in the back. And um, eventually I got with this girl and she wanted to get a house together. Mm, so nice. I couldn't I couldn't afford the studio and the house. So I, you know, I moved everything into our house and I was just mixing and mastering from home. And I skipped out on the recording because that's why I had the studio. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, my sales dropped. And when my sales dropped, she wasn't as interested anymore. Oh, so that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, had I bailed out of that house, and uh, she went back and lived with her parents or whatever. But I put everything in my car, and I was going to start looking for some some different work or whatever, and mm. just live out of my car until I could find an, a new job and a new place, something cheaper. And mm. when I was living out of my car, it got hit by a tornado. And I only had yeah. liability insurance, so that was it. Dang! So after that, it was pretty much just you just sat there in front of your what broken down want? car and just sat like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I do now, right?" Yeah, I was a uh, that night. Um, 
when the tornado hit, I was just standing there and looking at my tree. You know, I was standing or looking at my car. It was smashed by a tree. Just standing there in the rain, looking at it. I didn't know what I was going to do because where I was living or staying, rather, uh, mm-hmm. it was, you know, 20 mile stretch between these small towns where there was hardly even, you know, I'd have any, hardly any luck finding a job anyway. Oh, but the man. mile, you know, the, the stretch between those towns was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty far. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know what I was going to do without a car. I was just, you know, standing there looking at it like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to say, how, how did that feel? Like, I, I know you've been in the military and you've been through mul- like different kinds of situations, but how did it feel to be in kind of in society and just realizing like, crap, you know, like everything is kind of falling apart, you know? Uh, I guess I felt kind of alone really, because I went straight from living with my parents and then straight into the military. So they, they kind of do most of the living for you, really. Mm-hmm. You always have like help and everything. And, you know, everything was paid for, really. My, my housing was paid for, my food. So I didn't, I was pretty much being babysat by them as long as I was working for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was just by myself. I didn't have my, my battle buddies with me anymore. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that's tough because I've speak to a lot of ex-military and, you know, a lot of them say that they they really only can relate to other people who have been in the military, you know, because they have not always the same same experience, but that kind of uh, that kind of gathering of people who've done the same things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's just like a kind of like a gang, you know, you just. You, you don't really have to be together to be together. You're all part of it. Yeah, you guys are all in it, you know? Yeah. No, I definitely hear you. So right after that whole thing with the car and realizing that, you know, you basically are kind of homeless at this point, what was your first action after that? Like, what what did you do first? Um, well, I stayed with my parents for a little bit, and I was um, going – from their house and walking, you know, 20 miles in one way to a, a town and applying for jobs. And I would walk 20 miles the other way and apply for some jobs. And that was actually whenever I got that kind of itch to keep walking, to keep going. Mm-hmm. When I was walking those long trips between towns. And <clears throat> it was just like, yeah, like nothing around there was hiring. And I was like, you know, I could just. I could go for a, a long walk and then uh, come back after all that and just pick up where I left off. Hmm. That was the plan. It was I was supposed to just walk across America one time and then come back and that would be the end of it, but it turned into a pretty big thing. Yeah, I was going to ask, so well, how was that whole journey? I mean, I'm sure you must have experienced all kinds of things. I mean, what... Where'd, where'd you go first and how, you know, I don't even know where to begin because you've traveled such a distance across yeah, America, I, uh, you know? Yeah, I, uh, so I sold everything, you know, I said I had like a bunch of studio equipment and everything mm-hmm. and I sold it really cheap because I was just itching for it, it to all be gone. I didn't want to have to deal with having things or worrying about it and this and that and I could use the money for crossing the country and I'm not very... I'm not materialistic at all, really. So to get rid of that stuff, it really didn't matter to me that much. Mm-hmm. So I sold everything really cheap. I had about, uh, I'm not really sure. I would say maybe $1,000 on me or something like that. And um, I went to a, to the library and got on a computer, and I was telling everyone what I was about to do. And I was planning on starting in Maryland and then walking to California. Well, there was this guy I met online, and he was planning to ride a bike across the country. Oh, wow. And he was in Maryland. He lived in Maryland. And he talked me into uh, riding a bike with him instead. So I got a bike, and then I hopped on a, a train and went from Tennessee to Maryland. And then uh, he and I, we planned to start... Uh, it was like the 
uh, beginning of fall. And he, we separated on the first day, basically. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He, and he would live right there in Maryland. So it wasn't a big deal for him. Mm, yeah. You know, so I had to go back home. And I, was, and I uh, after purchasing everything I would need and getting the train ticket out there, I was almost broke. So I was like, well, I'm locked in. I'm just, you know, fuck it. I'll do it by myself. You know, I wanted to walk and I'm a little bit, I was a little kind of ticked off that I spent all my money on the bike and then we separated the first day. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be on a bike. That wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, right. And I, I was like, you know, I'll do it anyway, whatever. And uh, so I went from Maryland to uh, New Mexico and it was a winter time. I did not have any winter gear. I didn't have the money for it. Mm. And uh, I met this guy at a uh, a McDonald's. I was in there charging my phone, and he handed me some money. And then I got a bus ticket back to Tennessee. And I wasn't there for just like a month or two. And I was like, No, I can't do this. Like, I have to go finish it. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and then I went. Uh, uh, I got. Uh, oh, when I was back in uh, New Mexico, I sold my bike to someone. So uh, then I got that bus back to Tennessee, and then when I got there, I, I worked for a little bit. I got another bike, and then I went. I rode my bike all the way down to Florida. And then when I got to Florida, I was like, okay, this is my new starting spot, and I'm going to go from here to Alaska. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I was saying, I, like, how'd you get all? Like, do you just bike your way across there? Yeah, um, it was all kinds of, all kinds of crazy. Um, so I was in Tennessee, and that's when I had the idea that I wanted to go from Florida to Alaska, and just riding a bike from Tennessee to Florida was kind of a big deal. You know, it's not extreme, but. Uh, I mean, still, yeah, so let's I, cover I, a lot, lot of ground on just a bike, you yeah, know? <laughs> just And just to turn around and go back the other way. Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, and I got from Tennessee to Florida in, I think, uh, three or four days, you know. Oh, wow. I was like 100 miles a day then, so I was a little more pumped about it. Hey, so I get hauling. down to, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I get down to Florida, and then... I wait a little while because it's like it was super hot. So I waited for the weather to cool off and just kind of was a beach bum for like two months. And uh, and then I took off and I rode my bike from Florida to uh, where I get to Utah and uh, or Nevada actually like the end of Utah. And then I sold the bike. And I took off on foot and finished the rest of the way on foot. Oh wow! So, yeah. so you were you were a beach bum for two months in Florida. Where 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 in Florida? Uh, Fort Walton Beach. Okay, I, I live yeah. in uh, Lauderdale right now. <laughs> so it was a that was an experience too. Yeah, I about to say. I mean, what'd you do for like getting food and stuff like that? Like, was that's one of the questions I have is you know since you had limited funds. Um, you know, how did you survive kind of just biking around and like, you know, getting food and sleeping and whenever, stuff? Uh, whenever, whenever I was in Florida, um, I, the first thing I did is obviously I went to the beach and I was sitting at this gazebo and there was a wedding oh, wow. and they, I was watch I was just watching the wedding, you know, and then whenever they got up to leave, they had, they had a bunch of food and they just threw it all over like in the trash cans out there so and then i was like oh hell no and i went and i i you know i grabbed it i grabbed some food and i stored it hit a bunch of it away like stuff that wouldn't go bad you know yeah yeah wow <laughs> there you go and that's one, one way to do it once i did that you know i you know just like anyone you when you observe something like that you just collect it and you go along with it so every day or every afternoon i would just come out there and just watch people bring their food out there and i would watch them throw it away because there's a lot of uh, like little food stands and things like that around the area mm-hmm. and restaurants and everything. So I would just sit out there and I would watch people throw their food away. And after they walked off, I would just go grab it and have my have my fill. And I didn't I didn't care. So yeah, I mean, you gotta do I'll what you gotta the- do, right? 
Yeah. You can't. I mean, yeah. who cares if that person just like bit into it? I mean, it uh-huh. doesn't matter. If you're hungry, you're gonna eat, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I and agree. then, but um, a lot of the the rest of the time, whenever I was traveling, um, you know, I did a lot of uh, hunting and fishing and foraging, and then sometimes people would send me care packages or. You know, someone might just stop on the side of the road and hand me some McDonald's that they picked up or whatever. And it was just, uh, it always worked out. You know, mm. I was scared. I was a little worried about it at first. But uh, when I got going and everything was fine, now I just stopped worrying about it because every day, you know, I might go a couple of days without food, but it always worked out. So I just stopped worrying about it. Hmm. I'm about to say, like, how, you know, a lot of people have never felt that kind of hunger before. I mean, how how do you combat that? You know, is it just from training or? Um, I don't really know how to explain that. That's just, it's just the, when you're in a situation where you have no control over it, you, you don't really, I didn't really feel as hungry as like I do now, I can walk in the house now. So I'm living in LA now, so I can walk in my house and get something out of the fridge, you know. And but I'll feel hungry uh, just between uh, lunch and dinner time. But whenever you don't have that availability, then it's kind of like your body is just like, okay, this is what it, this is just how it is. Hmm. I got you. It gets like adjusted, and you kind of like get used yeah. to it, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was just kind of like an immediate thing. I was just, uh, I lost weight really fast from it. And I really wasn't that interested in food. So, hmm. I mean, when I, whenever I was first down in Florida and I saw that food, I was kind of, you know, just eating all of it that I could find. But that kind of, that slowly went away too. And I just really didn't care anymore. Hmm. Okay, I gotcha. So you went from Florida to Alaska. So did you go... Which states did you did you go like just north and then west and then like how how did that work? Did you go diagonally or? Um, I was zigzagging pretty much all over the place. I even I went up to uh, into Kentucky from uh, from Florida and then I went southwest down into Southern California and then I went up the coast. But uh, I was it was kind of like I would just see a road or a trail or whatever that looked interesting or a mountain or whatever, you know, I would just go off and do it. I wasn't in any, in any, uh, rush or anything. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, what were some of like some interesting memories or like, um, highlights of going through all these States, you know, from, I mean, I can imagine you have plenty, <laughs> probably too many to count. Yeah. And, and whenever I got to, uh, I went to Anchorage, Alaska, and then uh, I stayed up there for a little while, and I was trying to find some work, and I was going to live in Alaska, but that didn't work out. Winter was coming. I didn't have anything ready, so I had to bail out of there, and and then I got a plane. Uh, where did I go then? I went back to Tennessee from Alaska, mm-hmm. and then uh, then I took a bus from Tennessee with one of my friends. And we went down to Florida, and then we were going to walk across America again together. But he lasted uh, a month, made it 300 miles with me, and then he dropped out, and I went ahead and finished walking across America. Uh, that was my third time to California. Oh, but, wow. yeah, so I was all over the place and uh, saw all kinds of things, uh, you know, I was in a lot of storms, and I've been shot at, and oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I had a lot of dangerous animal encounters, and it's just all kinds of stuff. You know, I look back at it all now, and I la- because I'm actually pretty much blind. I have glasses now, but I didn't have any glasses then. And you know, now I see uh, when I go out in the trail, out hiking, you know, in the mountains now, then I'll see bears or coyotes or or whatever and or snakes even and you know I'm, I'm looking back at it and wondering how many times i came close to something like that and didn't even realize it 
Oh wow! So you didn't even know how like how blind you were? I knew I was blind. I just didn't <laughs> have uh, didn't have the money for glasses at the time. Now you said as you were traveling through the country like multiple times, you said you uh, helped with certain charities. What charities did you help uh, as you were going along? Uh, the first one was um, Shot at Life, and they give um, vaccines to kids in developing countries. And then the second one was Wounded Warriors Project. Oh, wow. Everyone knows what that is. And then the third one was St. Jude. Yeah. That's awesome. You said you, like, from what I was reading, like $60,000 you helped with these charities. How, like, what did you do exactly for these charities to raise so much money? Um, there were people who donated, and there were also uh, these apps on my phone that track the miles that I was going oh okay so it was like it was on my uh my GPS or whatever and they were keeping up with it and donating so much a mile so they would know like if I you know if I robbed some if I try to rob some miles then they would know mm -hmm. you know so I didn't do any hitchhiking or nothing like that okay so purely just hiking or, or biking pretty much right yeah except for whenever I was taking a bus back to a starting point or a plane or back to a starting point or whatever. Okay. So then it would be like, they would cut off the miles and like, all right, you'll start here and then yeah. continue. Okay. So that's pretty cool. I mean, not many people can say that they've hiked across America and say like helped all these charities, you know, that's, that's really, that's really cool. I mean, I, but I'm it was like what, once I uh, got the hang of everything and I had the gear that I needed, I didn't, feel like I needed any money so I really didn't care you know as long as I had the gear that I needed you know and uh since I was running that blog uh or a Facebook page it was uh I was almost like an entertainer so mm -hmm. I was always posting videos and pictures and all that and people would uh just enjoy what they're seeing so they would donate to whatever charity they wanted that I had up on my page at the time and that was that was part of my motivation to keep going too. I'm about to say, yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine, you know, with, I mean, how, how do you, do you, do you save up money with like working odd jobs or do you do, uh, or do you just not spend any money at all? And that's kind of how you, you just kind of, uh, you know, scrap food when you can and kind of live on the down low. Like how's, how does the day in the life of being in, in that state, you know? But you really don't need any money, like I said. Um, but for like gear replacement, because I didn't really, I didn't stay in very many motels or anything like that. I just slept outside most of the time, and I already had everything I needed. But uh, uh, yeah, I would find odd jobs whenever I needed something. Like if I had to replace something, then I probably spent five hundred dollars a year doing that. Oh wow! Only five hundred dollars a year. Wow. Uh, including the tickets too that's crazy i would say like for me like i have student loans so i mm. i pay 250 dollars a month for my student loans so it's like <laughs> yeah you know that's like that's like that's like almost uh that's a big portion of rent right there no i know you gotta sacrifice something when you're in that predicament mm -hmm. which no. i'm in, i'm in that i'm in that that life now i'm worried about car payments and house payments or not house payments. I'm renting. But... Okay. So you're are you slowing down on the whole traveling part? You kind of just live in in a stationary life right now. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, walking around California and selling my books, and I was homeless still. And I happened to sell one of my books to a nurse who invited me over, and. I've been with her ever since then. That was about six months ago. Oh wow! <laughs> it's crazy how that how that just happened. Yeah, right. You you said you would purchase copies of your book and you would put them in your pack and hand them out. Is that is that pretty much how you did it? You sold them that way, yeah. or? Yeah, I uh, so I had my normal pack uh, on my back, and then I had another backpack on my chest, and I would keep twenty books at a time. So it was kind of brutal. And then my knees were already going out 
yeah about to say how do you how do you travel across america like three times and with a messed up shoulders and knee like do you just kind of rough it or you know <laughs> take any painkillers um uh i mean yeah i had ibuprofen with me but uh you know i look i look back at it now and i honestly have no idea how i how i actually did all that you know i, I drove through the desert a few days ago went out to vegas and came back and i was just you know but that long stretch through the desert you know i've already i've walked that and i you know thinking about it now it's just like how did i do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah right just I, like i'm like one of the people now that you know wants to find a a parking spot close to the store <laughs> and you've like hiked across america like three times <laughs> i don't even want to walk up and down the stairs so dang you're kind of chilling now yeah hanging out i hear you I about to say um so <clears throat> more as you were traveling you know i always have um whenever i do hiking myself um I always feel like I have these moments of kind of realization or like I thought I think about my past or like certain things. Did you ever yeah. have those kind of moments while you were hiking kind of self-realization oh. or like uplifting moments that kind of changed you as a person? Yeah, it's just uh it just being alone by yourself for that long is uh you know, I I got to where I was talking to myself a lot. Not in like a, a way that was crazy, but I mean, almost. I mean, if you were probably, if someone was watching me, I'd probably look crazy. But like Castaway, like talking to all the <laughs> volleyballs, you know, talking to my trekking poles. And, um, <laughs> but having all those conversations with myself and just spending that much alone time, and um, I had a lot, had to have a lot of faith in myself that I would survive whatever I was doing because, like, most of my treks were in the winter time, and that blew a lot of people's minds because. You know, I was out in the mountains and it was a blizzard and zero degrees or colder. It got down to like negative 30 once and everyone was just kind of waiting for me to die, but always popped back up on my Facebook page again the next day. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Roughing it out. I hear you. <laughs> That's it, was, it was a, but as far as like uh, coming to some realization, I guess uh, I realized I could just be okay by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm very sure that uh, like there's like a certain confidence when it comes to that when you when you deal with a lot of I'm sure with you know being homeless and kind of taking care of yourself and not like not really interacting with too many people I'm sure there's there's a little bit of a confidence in that no yeah um, you know at the time when I was doing it I didn't know that I was building that self-confidence but you know like I said when I was in the military I had that that brotherhood, that family, and I felt like they were taking help. They were helping to take care of me. And then when I did it all by myself, you know, it, it pushed me to grow up. I guess it was almost like a like a step into adulthood, or like a, like some like some countries will have these initiations that they have to do. It felt kind of like that. Like I, I accomplished an initiation into manhood, so I proved to myself that I could do that. Mm -hmm. I was say like uh, I felt the same way when I was uh, I mean it's much smaller in comparison but uh, when I was in college I felt like I needed to kind of prove myself as well in a, in a way mm -hmm. um, so I went to go hike the Appalachian Trail I know it's completely different um, from I want to do that too yeah like I've uh, I know it's completely different from what you were going through because uh, it's it's more you know luxurious I would say in a different in a different way, but yeah. um, I felt like I needed that, and I think having that alone time and doing a challenging thing, and being by yourself and kind of relying on on yourself is really important because you kind of have that time to self reflect and kind of figure you know figure crap out you know what I mean like figure life out figure yourself out, you know what I mean, yeah. and it's not all work either. I mean there was a lot of it. It was fun. You know, I was out there trying these different traps that I was coming up with, like inventing my own traps and uh, getting better at uh, building atlatls and throwing darts, making these, uh, you know, trying different methods for catching fish and learning uh, different 
vegetation that I could eat while, I, you know, uh, going through different regions mm-hmm. and learning the different uh, vegetations in that area. It was a, that was a lot of fun for me. So it wasn't all work. It was just, uh, I mean, a lot of days I felt like it was work, but there were definitely those moments where I was, it was almost like being a kid again. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of like, kind of that self like discovery and like yeah. learning about new things about how this works and kind of putting stuff together and be like, wow, like I could, you know, I can do stuff with this, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't all just gung ho hardcore. I mean, I was, you know, having fun out there too. No, I say, what, what were some, uh, some great fun memories of, along that, you know, long trek? Um, just the uh, surviving through the blizzards and, uh, you know, having run-ins with a couple of bears. and Although, like, at the time, it's scary as shit, but... <laughs> I was going to say, how was that, that fun? <laughs> but the, I guess it's the uh, the adrenaline, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like, oh, shit, I, you know, and then... Because <laughs> I grew up uh, skateboarding and racing dirt bikes and mm. had that... Uh, was always searching for that adrenaline rush. So, no, for, yeah, I grew me, up skateboarding too. I hear you. And um, yeah, and I met a lot of uh, a lot of interesting people, and uh, just saw a lot of interesting things. Sometimes uh, unexplainable things, like uh, oh, you yeah. know, lights in the sky, walking across the desert, or or uh, you hear a bunch of rocks. Uh, splashing in the water and you're camping next to a creek you can't find out what's going on or mm-hmm. so a lot of weird things like uh uh i was going through texas and uh this old really old guy who's like in his 90s pulls up behind me and i turn around and look at him he gets out of his car and he walks to the back uh of his car and then he's telling me to come over and starts talking to me and then he asks what's your favorite pie? <laughs> I'm like, what kind of question is this? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to answer it. And I told him pecan pie. And then he was like, I got just the thing. And he popped his trunk and there was just a pecan pie sitting in there. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. It's just like, what? You know, it's, it's all just... in my book. Dude. All those experiences that I had, it's all that's in my book from start to finish. But, Oh it, my god! That still blows my mind thinking about it this day. Like, if I had said any other pie, would he like? Is this guy a magician or? Yeah, right. Like, is this guy just trying he to mess with me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. He's like, "Yo, guys, watch this. I'm about to mess with this homeless guy real quick." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did. That's so funny, man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm about to say, I only can imagine the kind of interesting folk you met out there. I mean. I mean, I met some interesting folk just from just from hiking AT. I can only imagine across America and in all different locations, you know. Yeah. Um, I I kind of feel like a uh, a sociologist now because I was observing people in different places and how they changed with their mm-hmm. environment like that. So taking all those notes, I mean, I do feel kind of like a sociologist now. That's what they do. They observe people. Yeah, I've I feel like you know what, what do you have to say about people? You know what's the difference between people who kind of live the you know the normal nine to five to people like yourself or people who do long distance traveling or what would you say is kind of the social difference between those two different kinds of people? It is massive there's like this gap of misunderstanding between them mm-hmm. what, what, what would you say yeah. is a misunderstanding um like a lot of homeless people think people who are well off are just straight up assholes and then people who are well off think homeless people are drug addicts alcoholics crazy or, mm-hmm. or um you know you go through like these uh like worn down neighborhoods and there's a lot of violence there and you know you go to a restaurant in there in an area like that 
and everyone's just mean mugging you and I don't know you just uh uh actually I try to avoid places like that for a while but then I got curious and started Mm. to or just to watch just to observe people see how they acted because it interests me Mm. Uh, it was a it was a, a cool seat for me to be in I got a you know a good view because they see this uh this raggedy looking dude with a backpack. So mm. I was getting kind of uh you know shit thrown at me. Sometimes literally almost. <laughs> but it's kinda it's interesting being in those shoes because I even though I was homeless, I didn't feel homeless. You know, like what people think. Uh, hmm. only time I felt homeless wasn't it when I was going through cities and I got stuck there for a day or two. And then I would start to feel like, yeah, I'm kind of fitting in with this crowd. And But like I said, that was still interesting to be treated like those people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, caught my, I caught myself feeling the same way that uh, the general homeless people feel about people like, you know, fucking assholes, you know, but... You know, eventually I just uh, stopped caring. You know, I was what I was. I was happy. You know, I was a homeless guy walking around with a big smile on his face. So. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like there's a little bit of a misunderstanding between the two people. Um, I think it's just because of the different lifestyles between, you know, someone who does traveling and then someone who. Uh, basically works nine to five and kind of ha- like the lifestyle is totally different. And I feel yeah. like just because someone doesn't have a lot of stuff or if they're traveling with very little money, does not mean like the, like you said, like not living life. Yeah. Could like, be. That's what I, I mean. I was pretty happy, but uh, you know, there's also people that have that nine to five and they're, they might be jealous of someone like that. And, uh, you know, different people can take uh, something bad and turn it into something good. Like, if someone here in L.A., one of these big houses next to me, so I live in a, a little condo with the guy, like the neighbors around me. Like, if they, you know, if they lost everything, I don't know how they would react to it. They're probably not going to have a smile on their face at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, it has to, it's kind of a, a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I feel, you know, I feel like when you when you travel with just a backpack and just kind of uh you kind of live out there, you start to develop that confidence that like if if things real if bad things happen, I can take care of myself. And I feel yeah. like what what you're explaining like if they lost everything, they would totally be devastated because they wouldn't know how to survive without, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I understand what you mean by that. To an extent. <clears throat> were you in any bad storms when you were on the AT? Um, I mean, I a few. A few there. bad storms. And there was a, a forest fire. But... Um, oh, did you have to get off the trail for that? Yeah, I had to. Uh, I already did that section in Georgia that was on fire in 2016. So, I mean, I wasn't you know missing mileage or anything. Because I, I did that earlier that year. So, but I couldn't finish the that one section, like or hike. Sorry, I should say hike the section because I already finished it. But I couldn't hike that section because it was completely on fire. That's that's pretty crazy. That's one thing I never had to deal with, thankfully. <clears throat> yeah, I, I had to hitch a ride around it and uh, basically get on the trail where it wasn't on fire. Damn. Yeah, it was like it was about a good like fifty mile like section that was completely on fire. Was there a lot of smoke out there and hard to breathe? Yeah, like when I got to a certain part in North Carolina, there was smoke coming up, and I had to get off the trail because, you know, I could suffocate. Yeah, I went up to uh, Three Sisters uh, up in Oregon about a month ago, or mm-hmm. maybe two months ago, and there was a, a lot of fires going on up there, and I had to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, there's, there's so many things, like you said, um that things that happen that are out of your control and you just kind of have to go with it. You just got to deal with it your own way. Ride it out. mm -hmm. And kind of like being in lightning storms. uh, You know, I've had lightning crash all around me 
you know, probably just beat from being hit. And, you know, I've seen trees blow up around me and Oof. that's, that's really scary. Lightning is like my only yeah. fear really. <laughs> yeah. I about to say like, I remember being in a storm with one of my uh, friends and it was terrifying. Cause like you've, you just hear lightning crash around you and you're like, like I could die right now. <laughs> like, you know, there have been a few times where I got caught on top of a mountain too. And that's just the worst. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy. But like, you know, I know this sounds kind of weird, but to a certain extent, like, do you ever feel like, even though, even though it might be crazy living the life that you're living, like to some other people, but to you, it's like totally normal. And like, you would rather live that life than the, than the opposite. Yeah. Uh, it felt like, like I said, it felt kind of like I was a kid again, really, because I, I grew up playing in the woods and everything. And, you know, whenever I had that, when I lost everything, it was just this opportunity to uh, have fun for a little bit before I, you know, because I joined the military right out of high school. So I kind of skipped out on the, on the having some fun, a little, a nice break, you know, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like I, I got my my younger my younger years back for a little bit and mm -hmm. i'm gonna say how old are you i'm 30 now oh, okay so it's been it's been a few years then <laughs> yeah i did that and i started or became homeless in 2013 so it's been oh, a little wow. while so you served for how how long was it four years four years okay and you after that trek you said you um is that when you found out you had cancer how how'd that like how'd you find out did you just go to the doctor one day or like um yeah i was feeling like abnormally tired like i i because i had all that energy from doing all those cross-country treks i knew something was something was going on maybe like a vitamin deficiency or something but you know there's something in my in the back of my mind was telling me to go to the doctor and and then uh, a few tests later, and they found out that I had liver cancer. Yeah, and, I mean, that's serious. Yeah, and um, I immediately started treatment, and I was still homeless then. And, uh, you know, going through treatment and just living out of my tent, that, was, uh, that, felt, that made me feel really homeless then because I was in a really bad shape. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to move. Uh, I was just stuck in the woods back behind my doctor's office, basically. For uh, I think I was back there for uh, four months, I think. And I was writing my book while I was living back there. I'm going to say, I, I, I've heard cancer treatment is very, very hard to deal with. I mean, especially, I only can imagine you being homeless. I mean, you like, I heard... Like yeah, I thought I was gonna die out there in my in my tent. Actually, like a lot of a lot of days, I was like, "Well, this is it. I'm gonna go to sleep, and I'm not gonna wake up." That's what and, I mean. Like, I can't imagine you like feeling so weak and like sick and just sitting out there just trying to write your book. That's yeah, that's I exhausting. Died. Yeah, it was very exhausting. It was like uh, it was like being hit by a bus and having the flu. It sucked, and they told me it wouldn't be. Because it was something, it's a, it was a different kind of treatment. It's something newer, and it's supposed to go directly to the liver, and not mm. affect the rest of me. And they're like, oh, you shouldn't have uh, too bad of side effects. But you know, since then, um, I've had a scare with the. Um, they found a mass on my lung, and I'm oh, supposed man. to go back for a, for a PET scan. But you know, I'm thinking, you know, if I have cancer again, I'm not going to do treatment because it sucked that bad. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm about to say like, what? Well, well, why would you just gonna not treat it? You're just gonna let it let it ride out? Yeah, I, w I would let it ride out. So I'm not even gonna go gonna go and get a, a PET scan. I know there's a mass on my lung, so if I start going downhill, I'll I'll know pretty sure why. But yeah, I would rather do that than go through treatment again because it was just that bad. You know, I yeah. would sit there and just cry all day long because I was in so much pain. Oh, man, that's rough. Yeah. And, and you were writing your book. I mean, how long did it take you to write your book? You said you were in chemo or treatment for four months. So how yeah. was, you know, 
uh, it took me three months to write the book, and I did. I wrote it pretty fast, actually. I mean, three months is three hundred and I think fourteen pages, and that's pretty oh, wow. quick to write it and edit it. But uh, I think that was actually harder than doing the tricks. It's, you know, doing the the physical work was writing about it. <laughs> I'm sure it's like yeah. trying to string together ideas yeah, while I, being I was, sick. I, yeah, I had like this really bad brain fog from it. Like it was just these chemicals going through your brain, and it's just like super bad brain fog. And so yeah, after I uh, I finished the book, and then I threw it out there on Amazon really fast because I didn't know if I was going to make it through or not. And then a couple of months later. Wow. Uh, I found out I was in remission and I started getting my, my health back. And then, uh, by that time I had already sold, I think probably a thousand copies or something like that. Oh, wow. And I got a few, uh, negative reviews because of the, the editing. I didn't really take the time to edit it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but after I, I, uh, started getting my health back then I went back and I did a re-edit and formatted it so it looked cleaner and everything and i spent probably three months just doing the re-edit and uh yeah i cleaned it up and everything's smooth sailing now it's uh, uh it got accepted by google play and barnes and noble so i'm pretty confident with it now but yeah it took me i guess six months altogether because i had to chop it up between writing it and editing it I mean, still only six months to write a book. I mean, that's that's pretty quick. <laughs> Most people take years. Yeah. It's that's pretty impressive, considering you know cancer and all. You know, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. But it kind of it motivated me to write that book because it was kind of there that I wanted to write it. But once you know that happened, I was like, oh man, I really got to write it now, and I got to do it quick. Because mm-hmm. so. it was just like, oh, you know, if I don't do this now, then like. It'll never happen because I'll be dead. <laughs> that yeah. kind of mindset. I, like, I want to leave this. I want to leave this for people to to read about it later. I mean, that's. I mean, still, if if there's one motivation, that's one. Yeah, the, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh man, that is crazy. Also, I can It it got me in a, a different mindset while I was going through it too. So that was. Uh, it went both. It worked, in favor of, both ways. You know, I was getting my book done, and writing my book was keeping me preoccupied mm-hmm. kind of you know trying to numb yourself from the pain a little bit <laughs> man yeah. not I just think about yeah uh, that's crazy man i can't even imagine i gotta say um so how how is the book success success so far i mean have you how many copies have you sold um probably around six thousand so far and it's just a little it's been out a little over a year now Oh wow! I mean, that's pretty good considering. Yeah, but I I sold a lot whenever I was walking around carrying them. It was oh, a yeah. lot. It was a lot easier to sell it then than it is selling them online. Mm. Yeah, because people are more interested, like right in the moment, you know. Yeah. I hear you. So has has that been has that helped you financially over over the year? Yeah, it definitely has. Like I'm just I'm living off of my books pretty much. I do uh my books, uh mixing and mastering and I do some editing too. I just do that on Upwork. So I'm just on there constantly looking for people that need help. Oh yeah, same here. I'm actually on, on Upwork myself <laughs> doing audio editing. That's cool. Well you know, you just uh I just I mean, I work from home now, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's. I nice. just have to keep keep looking for work and keep pushing my books, or whatever I have to do. Yeah, so you can, yeah, save some money. I'm sure. Is, uh, what's your next trip if you're deciding with the Appalachian Trail or something else? Yeah, I want to start the AT in January. All right, that's what I'm planning for right now. Oh, this coming January. Yeah. So I actually I went out there uh, a few weeks ago. And that's whenever I found out about the, the lump on my lung. Mm. And they said, you're going to need a, a PET scan in three months. 
you know, they're going to make sure it's not growing and look at the, to see if it's, uh, uh, if it's growing or uh, whatever. And told me I, to come back in three months. And I was like, man, I was trying to come out here to hike the AT. Now I got to wait three months to get this. And I'll go back home. But now I'm probably not going to get the, the PET scan. So I came home for pretty much nothing. But I think starting in January will be better than starting in October. Yeah, I hear you. I about to say, uh, you'll be starting off in the winter. Yeah, but I mean, it'll be, I'll be starting in Georgia in the winter, and I don't think it'll be as bad starting there in January than, it, you know, compared to starting in Maine, <laughs> yeah. in Maine in October, because you go around that, uh, like, New York area, so that's where I would have been in the worst of it, or probably even a little further north, actually. Mm. That would bad. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Like especially, I've heard uh, Mount Washington in the winter is like, it's pretty bad. It gets really yeah. cold. It's yeah. one of like the windiest places on Earth, or something like that. It's like two hundred mile winds sometimes. Oh, you're right off the mountain. Yep. I've I've, I've seen reports of people like dying. Yeah, I've been in those situations. That's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I was say. Well, it is kind of fun for me, but once you get <laughs> off of it, in the moment, you're like, oh, this is. This was not a good idea. <laughs> but looking back on it, you're like, all right, you know, that was yeah, after, you, after you make it and you make it back down, you're like, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> Want to do it again? Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. Uh, so do you still keep in touch with the charities or uh, do you, are you just kind of laying low for now? No, I, uh, uh, last time I heard from, I didn't really hear from any of them actually, except for St. Jude, they sent me, uh, well, they sent me an email every now and then talking about different parties that they were able to have from my charity and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of cool. But the yes. other ones, no, they just kind of build out. <laughs> that's whatever. I, I, you know, they were my motivation at the time, so that's whatever. That's Not like I, I want my money back or nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. No, that's cool, though. I mean... Not many people can say they've done what you've done, you know? I mean, that's, that must be pretty neat to have that experience, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's anyone, actually. I mean, and no trips are the same, either. They're always, always different. So I, I kind of feel like everyone who does something like that should write a book about it, because it, it would, they would all be different, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, even like just if... Just because there's a, a book about the Appalachian Trail, which there are, like, a hundred, like thousands, probably, and then you write one, it's, it's still going to be unique. Everyone does everything differently. No, I hear you. That's why, like, you know, that's actually the reason why I haven't written my book yet is because I, yeah, I've hiked the Appalachian Trail, but so as many other people. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, I feel like I need to do more than just that to, like, write a book properly. But like yeah. what you said, I it's true. Everyone does it differently. So I just need to write it. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, yeah, mine... My trips were so bizarre that that's why I felt like I should write a book about it. And a lot of people were actually telling me that I should, and I kept putting it off up until that until that last moment. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it'd be it'd be a cool book, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then whenever you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was like, oh, I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I am now, <laughs> right? Because you know, I'm just meeting people, and I you know, I tell them about it. They're like, man, that sounds like a movie. So, yeah, man. You that's... should write a book about it. It's like ah, I don't know. Wow, yeah, like, people would jump on the opportunity to write a book about it, <laughs> right? I I should have done it before, but oh well. Yeah. I guess I, I waited for the right time to do it because I had that motivation to get it done. Yeah, but yeah, true. like the whole three. It was three years and ten thousand miles, and yeah, every every step of the ways in the book. And I had, you know, thousands and thousands of pictures that refreshed my memory. And I'm really glad I took those pictures because like I said, I had that brain fog. And mm, if it had from... pictures, I would have missed, I would have left out a whole lot of detail. And your book's called Jake Does America, right? Yeah, Jake Does America, 10,000 mile trek. And okay. the, re- the reason it's titled that is because that's what um, my Facebook page became because it at first it was 
Jake and Mike do America, and it was just going to be me and that other guy blogging our trick, you know, our bike ride. Mm-hmm. And then when he fell out, I changed it to Jake Does America, and then that's and it turned into a, a pretty big thing. That's pretty so cool. I kept that name, and then the ten thousand mile trek obviously comes up to my last my last leg was my ten thousandth mile, and that was at the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, nice! That's that's a great way to finish, actually. Yeah, it was uh, a crazy finish. <laughs> how, say, how was that? How was that experience like finishing? You know, um, uh, like what'd you at feel? That, at that point, I really didn't know what I was doing anymore. I kind of, uh, kind of like Forrest Gump, I guess. You know, you go <laughs> so far, and it's like, okay, what's the point now? I guess I'll go home now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, after that, I, uh, uh, I wasn't immediately homeless after that. I actually I moved to Wyoming for uh, almost a year, and I was working as a, a a rancher. I was training horses, and then I was doing construction too, building a lot of log cabins. Oh, sweet! But then uh, there, and then uh, after the winter, uh, I went back to Tennessee, and uh, then I was homeless again. And that's when I found out I had cancer. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But I say I definitely yeah. want to, you know, do you still build log cabins? <laughs> no, or, not, no, not out here in California. No, but I mean, I mean, it's something to to fall back on. I just I don't have to do that right now. So no, I but, agree, especially with like, bad knee, I'm it, sure. Yeah, physically it would be shitty right now, but mm-hmm. uh, I still like, uh, you know, I have books on uh, on building and. I'll, I'll drive around here and look at, at different buildings and just kind of admire them. Not really here so much, uh, not LA, but uh, if you go out into the mountains, there's a lot of cabins out there or just, just building houses in general. It's, it's fun, you know, but mm-hmm. physically I would maybe help design them or something. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if I, if I had to, you know, I, I would fall back on, on construction or go back to training horses, but I couldn't do that here. I'd have to go, somewhere probably back like uh wyoming or something where i lived before to train the horses it's just just not enough room here to do all that damn (laughs) you're definitely a man of many talents um sorry we're kind of running low a little bit on time but i kind of want to ask just one more question um so based on your long trek and everything you've been through in these lat you know these years what any words of wisdom uh, for myself, for any of the audience listening? Um, oh man, that's kind of like on the spot, man. <laughs> because uh, that's a, a question I get asked a lot. Um, you know, I guess uh, make sure you take the time to throw some fun in your life. Pretty much all there is and don't really look at everything with such a, a negative attitude because you know even though i lost everything i still had a smile on my face and i just accepted that as an opportunity to do something fun and then i you know i turned that into something positive it wasn't just about me i was doing it for these different charities so it was a great experience and it was just because something bad happened and i had a, a positive outlook on it That's great. I mean, that's a great way to put it. I mean, there's, like I said, there's a lot of people out there, even who are not homeless, who are sad and not, you know, in the best shape. But if you if you have a positive attitude, that changes everything, right? It does. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, Jake. Um, and I really appreciate you talking on the podcast. Uh, and I really hope that whatever else you're working on and whatever you're going through, I hope it works out for you, man. All right. It was good talking to you. It was good talking to you, man. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in to Wondercast, where you get lost to find yourself. Make sure to check out Jake's book, Jake Does America, 10,000 Mile Trek. Also make sure to check out on Facebook, Jake Does America again. And guys, make sure to throw some fun in your life. I love you, and I hope to see you in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.